I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? You got Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Uh, not, not the game Tennessee wanted time. Not, uh, not at all what the Vols wanted time. Some, some bright spots, but uh, a loss is a lost time. Plenty to discuss on this pod time. Whatever time of day, day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a beautiful Saturday night here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee. Here to discuss something that some of y'all probably don't want to hear about, but that's okay. That's how it goes. The Vols drop a game. Tennessee football drops a 41-34 game to Pitt on Saturday at Neyland Stadium in a game that had pretty much a little bit of everything. And there's plenty to discuss about that game. So, of course... If we're talking Tennessee football and we're talking about a game, you know where we're going. We're going to go to that undisclosed location to talk to the one, the only Patrick Brown. He and I are both now home uh, from Neyland Stadium. Pat, what's going on, man? Not much. Just I uh, got home, got some food, got the kids to bed, got them to sleep, uh, and now I'm doing a podcast. Yeah, I've got a, a really, uh, really ornery dog uh, outside of this door right now who hasn't seen me all day. And I came right home and then shut the door here in the office, which really, really pissed him off. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll, well see how this goes. Well, newsflash for Gus. He's about to be number two. Actually, he's not going to be number three because it's going to be your wife, your son. Well, your wife, your son. He's going to have to deal with it. So he's yeah. just going to have to get over it. He is. He is. He'll have to deal with it as they do, as you yourself would know. Pat, plenty. I mean, there's a lot we could say. We keep these post game pods to about half an hour, but we could. I mean, we could legitimately talk an entire night about that four hour football game. Well, I was just. I mean, that's what I was thinking. I think I told this to Grant Ramey, who's not here and is terrible. Yes, um, he's not here, so we can make fun of him. But I looked over and I'm like, there's been like a million things that have happened in this game. And I looked over, there's nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It was just, it was wild. Yeah. Um, you know, and we kind of thought this might happen with Tennessee with this coaching staff that, hey, they might not win, but they might be a little bit more exciting. First game against a, you know, a real opponent, no offense to Bowling Green. I think they might have beat South Alabama today. But you know what I mean? Like it, the first game is a 41 34 game that comes down to the wire. There's ebbs and flows, momentum swings, it takes four hours. I mean, how many plays everybody run? 82 and 66. I mean, uh, it was just like there was so much going on that uh, it was, you know, we could spend here, we'd sit here for an hour, especially you and I, since we like to hear ourselves talk. Yes, we do. Yes, yes, we do. And and there, there's a lot, I mean, the, the, the bottom line is I, I'm of two minds with this game, really. And, and I don't want to backtrack too much on this, but but I said throughout the offseason, going into the, to the season, going into camp, all those things, I consistently said it's not necessarily – totally about the results with Tennessee, this Tennessee team this season. It's more about 
how this team competes, uh, what kind of what brand of football it plays, how competitive it is, is it fun to watch, and those things, in the long run, you know, might be more important this season. But th- that's one part of it. The other part of it is that was a game that, despite a million things going wrong, Tennessee should have won. Uh, Tennessee, to, to refresh, goes into the game without four players, uh, three of whom are, are some of Tennessee's most important players, obviously, with, with junior running back Tyon Evans, uh, junior defensive end Byron Young, and Cooper Mays, uh, the starting center of the sophomore. Three really, really important players. And that's just the beginning because then Tennessee goes into the game. By, by the end, they, not have, they don't have Jabari Small. They, you know, Jalen Hyatt was in there for like half a quarter. Joe Milton gets hurt. I mean, Tyler Band was in and out of the lineup throughout the day. I think they were like picking his spots with him. I mean, just go down the list of like who Tennessee didn't have. This, this is the positive spin, right? Yes. You look at who Tennessee didn't have. You look at all the things they did wrong. All those missed overthrows early by Joe Milton. Uh, the 13 penalties, a lot of them were just dumb, inexplicable. You can't make those plays. And then three turnovers. They're minus three in turnovers, and despite all of those things, all those self-inflicted wounds, Tennessee still had two chances down in the fourth quarter on their half of the field to go win the game. So, and, and there are several times where you're like, you're kind of waiting for that gut punch, right? Well, I mean, we we covered this program for a while. We we know that like, oh yeah, when a game turns against Tennessee, we've seen it a hundred times over the last however many years. That okay, well here it comes both teams about to go up two touchdowns. It's going to get out of hand. How many times has that happened? And then it didn't happen, right? You know, they turn out, you know. Yeah, Tennessee had three turnovers, and Pitt only scored six points off of them. Yeah. I'm so, not... I mean, there were a couple of times, and then, you know, they get the two fourth downs in the third quarter, and they go up 34-20, and you're like, no, this, this is probably over, right? But it wasn't. So, if you're looking at a positive spin on it, you're saying Tennessee still had a chance to win this game despite everything that went against them, and a lot of it was self-inflicted. But the bottom line is Tennessee had a chance to win this game and didn't, and they can point to, as we touched on, a two, three dozen different things that if that goes differently, maybe the outcome goes differently. Yeah, that and, and just without even really, you know, thinking too hard about it, just when I was writing the column at the end of the game, I, I wrote down a list of about seven or eight things and said that if any one of these things goes a different way, that entire outcome could be different. Uh, that's how thin the margins were. But that's also seven or eight things that should not have gone the way they went. And the fact right. that they did it, it is an issue. And, and I'm, I'm not excusing anything. I'm not – at the end of the day, coaches and players, you're judged by how you perform in the games where they're, they're toss-up games, right? They're, they're games that could go either way. Because the games that you should win, usually you win. The games that you should lose, usually you lose. Then there's those that middle third. Then there's, the, there's those games that really define a season. This was one of those games for Tennessee – and a list of seven or eight things when you're talking about the penalties, which we'll need to double-check this, but after the game, did some quick research, talked to people at Tennessee. I think that was the most, the largest number of penalties and penalty yards uh, for Tennessee in a single game since uh, Vanderbilt in 2000. So it's, <laughs> it's been a really, really long time since there have been that many penalties. Now, I will say uh, that a couple of them, I don't understand. Uh, the, the, the block in the back on the kick-six return that wasn't, I don't think that's a block in the back. I don't think you make that call. I also don't understand the implementation of that rule, which we could talk about for another hour, but we won't. I don't understand how it, uh, there's a kick six and there's two penalties that occur, both after possession has been changed. And so because of that, Pitt gets rewarded with another bite of the apple. I didn't understand that 
at all. And then, of course, Pitt, to its credit, dumps the next punt, right, you know, punts on the next possession, thinks better of that 55-yard field goal attempt, and pins it inside the three, and, and it's a, it changes the game. It flips the field. There was a pass interference call that Shaquille O'Neal could not have caught the ball. That's not a catchable pass. If you want to call it holding, that's and, fine, and, and but it's not was, DPI. And there was the play on Jeremy Banks where he threw the guy down on his head. Now, while I was eating, I literally just saw that happen in the Kentucky-Missouri game. Same exact thing. Was not called. Yeah, it should have been called there because that was that, – that was, I think that it was. was. And if they had called the one on Theo Jackson, my goodness, that would have been just an, abs- an absolute but, failure. But there were so many – little things like that you, you had post play penalties you you had a lot of things that i want to commend tennessee because we, we we need to go over this again really quickly they tennessee played most or all of that game without uh, its starting quarterback its top two running backs fastest wide receiver two best pass rushers another senior defensive lineman starting center that's a lot to take away from a team and tennessee despite all that competed, came back in that game, made it a game. How many times now? Tennessee has an offense where maybe you toss away Alabama and some of those others. But if you're down like two, even three scores in a game, it's not over. They can score in a hurry. I mean, this stuff is fun. There's a lot to like about it, and there's a lot that I like about the way these guys coach, the way they play the game. I think they understand players. But that number of penalties in a game, even if some of them were on questionable or objectively incorrect decisions that's too many and they win this game if that doesn't happen and that has got to be something you know Josh Heupel said this can't define this team well that's up to them because this was the first toss-up game and they didn't win it yeah and and the thing on the penalties is Heupel said that that's not something that he'd seen a lot from the team Um, and, and a lot of it is I mean, if, if you get beat up front and you grab a guy or tackle a guy, as was the case a couple of times, that's going to happen. Uh, if, if, you know, if you're trying to get a block for a guy on a field goal return, you get him in the back instead of the side, you're trying to get him in the side, right? Yeah. I know Jeremy Banks is like, you know, some people hate him, whatever, because uh, the way he plays the game. But he's just trying to make a play there, right? He's trying to get, a guy, get his guy blocked. He probably thought, hey, I can get him on the side. Yeah. And it looked pretty close. I don't know how you make the call personally, but I um, I, I did think he get a, he did I did think he got him in the back, but it was close. But that that's a play as a coach you can live. That's a penalty as a coach that you can live with. Those are penalties that happen, and Heifel said this after the game. Sometimes it's going to happen from the start of the play to the whistle. You're going to have penalties, but you know, teeing off on a guy late by the pile as an offensive lineman. Cade Mays has played too much football to do that, and he's done that. Too, that he's done that exact thing too many times. I, I, and I know they want him to play hard and, you know, you want to dish out some punishment things like that, but you can't do that. You can't take your helmet off. If you're darn all right. After a touchdown. Now, I, I don't think they should have that rule. They could thank the 1990, 1980 Miami hurricanes yeah. for, for that. Yeah. Uh, if you've watched that 30 for 30, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, cause one of their guys was like, I want to take my helmet off after I score a touchdown. So everybody can see my face, which yeah. is peak eighties Miami. But anyways, um, it's the rule. You can't do it. And so that those are the penalties and the false starts. Like those are things that you can control. And if Tennessee does some of those things, um, maybe it's a different game. I mean, you, you look at all the missed opportunities that they had early in this game. I mean, it easily could have been 28 to seven early on West. I mean, yes, should have been, uh, I, I know a lot of people are down on, on Joe Milton and, and frankly, I mean, you got to make those throws and 
Uh, the, I'm sure the, we'll talk the, about the quarterback. The, the miss to Warren was just an inexcusably. I mean, or, Tillman? Or, or Tillman, yeah, right down the seam. I mean, that's you could throw yeah. that ball ten yards in, in you know in front of him, and he still makes yeah. that catch. Yeah, after the game, Heupel had talked about the quarterbacks a few times, and, and he hadn't you know hadn't really touched on Milton a whole lot. So, you know, I asked him. I was like, you know, what was going on with Milton? It was almost like they needed to call a timeout, bring him over the sideline, and just to like sit him down, look him in the eyes, and say, Joe, relax. It's almost like he was excitable or hurrying some of these throws. Now, at the same time, you know, if you're throwing the ball 40 yards downfield, that's inherently a low percentage throw, even if a guy's open. Mm-hmm. A lot of quarterbacks can make him. If you're playing and starting at this level, you should be able to make him. So, to me, the big misses in this game, the big miss opportunities early in this game, uh, weren't even really the one that Jalen Hyatt on the play that he hurt on, because that was coming back anyway, because Kalijah Cansey, who Tennessee could not block in this game, uh, Javante Spragans tackled him i mean it was a dead-on holding penalty even if hyatt makes that catch it's not a touchdown that one's not really a big i'm not really counting that one as but he had john he had javante paid deep for probably a touchdown and the one to tillman that was um outstanding coaching because tennessee set that play up they faked the screen they slipped tillman out walk-in touchdown chalk one up to the coaching staff just like on the nine-yard touchdown right to warren just unbelievably good design, execution, all that. Right, and, and we saw some adjustments from Tennessee's coaches because when the hooker got in the game, they worked the tight ends more. They were going over the middle of the field. They said, we can't throw on these guys. These guys on the outside are too tight on our, our receivers. Let's work the tight ends. And did. Good adjustment at work. Got some, you know, they got a, got a big play to Warren, got a couple of nice plays to Fant. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a good adjustment. But the uh, the one to Tillman, I mean, you, everybody in the stadium saw it. He comes open, and as Milton's throwing the ball, I'm like, he can't miss this guy. And he somehow missed him, and you're just like, I mean, how can you do that? Maybe they need a heavy, then, they need a heavier football. I think he's just too big. And, and then the that one, it almost looked like he rushed it. And and the, that was the that's the one throw that you can't rush, even if he doesn't score on the play, because he has to stop and catch it. You can't overthrow. Um, and then in the second quarter, when Milton breaks off the big run, um, and, and they tackle him at the five, and it turns into second, it turns into third and goal at the thirty-seven. And they only get points out of it because Chase McGrath nailed it from 48. So those were the three situations. That's 17 points right there. In a seven-point game, I mean, that's huge. But um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, those are and and like I said at the press conference, I asked I asked Heupel about it. I'm like, what you know, what was the deal? Was he excited? Is it just lack of touch? And as I'm asking the question, Heupel is starting to shake his head. It's just like that said that spoke more than whatever actually he said. And, uh, you know, and so that that's really interesting to me, you know, where they go with this quarterback situation. But we'll, I'm sure we'll get on that here in a little bit. Yeah, that we're 100 percent going to discuss that in the second segment, because, you know, of course, if, if Hooker doesn't throw that interception at the end, you know, it, it's it's a Johnny Majors classic. So I'll, I'll I'll quote Johnny Majors here and say, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, every day would be a Merry Christmas. It's a shout out to Johnny Majors there. But Johnny it, also had a comment about the Legion of the Miserables. Yes, yes. He Some did. of y'all out there need to need to tone down the negativity. It's two games. Fight, chill out. Yeah, it is. I mean, I I think there's there's a lot. If Hooker doesn't make that throw at the end, the interception. I mean, we're and we still might be talking about one anyway. But if that doesn't happen, we're definitely talking about. Uh, an uncomfortable quarterback situation going forward. Now we're going to discuss that in the second segment. We have to, but before we go to break, I really, I need to discuss this. I need to get this off my chest, Pat. We need to discuss this. Why in the hell? Is this the shotgun? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 
Oh, no. I understand completely. If you are a shotgun-based, spread-based offense, if it's like third and three, fourth and three, third and two, third and four, I understand sticking with your shotgun in that situation. That's your offense. That's what you do most of the time. There never has been and never will be a reason to go into shotgun on fourth and inches. Unless you're faking a punt. If you're faking a punt, go ahead, line up in a shotgun, put the punter way back there. If you are actually having your offense on the field, you just need to give that ball right to the quarterback. I mean, Hooker, I mean, we, we, we forget this because Milton is 6'5", 250, and looks like an action figure. Hooker's like 6'4", 220. He's a big dude. He can fall forward. We saw that during the game. He can run forward when he has to. I never have understood. The ball should have been spotted correctly for a first down, 100%. That was a bad call, and it should have been overturned. Didn't do it. And if, you, if Tennessee had managed the clock better with the two timeouts taken earlier in the half, maybe you can call a timeout and challenge that and take the risk. But I will never understand going shotgun on fourth and inches. Am I crazy, Pat? Feel free to disagree. I know you will. I know you'll tell me if you do. Well, I, I mean, it's easy to say it's not it now because it didn't work. Um, and Pitt, I mean, Pittsburgh went under center for quarterback sneak and, and only got in because Kenny Pickett second effort, right? Yeah. So tough dude. Um, tough I, dude. I, I would the, the counter argument is in this offense you have two running quarterbacks, right? So that that presents another number for the offense. That would be my only counter. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I think I get onto you about enough stuff. But I'm not gonna. I'm gonna let you have this. One. I just don't. <laughs> I just have never understood it. I, I, what do you, how do you feel about the teams that have to take shotgun snaps, like to take a knee at the end of the games? Oh, that. How that, do you feel about that? That that is like um, <laughs> maybe people need to be taken out back and shot for that. That's that's just. I mean, I, I and I understand many things about what they're trying to do, and I love their offense. I lo- I said it when they hired him. Said it for a long. I love that offense. But if you can have, you know, a, a base offense and a short yardage offense and you can have a, a base defense that goes from a 4-3 into a nickel, into a dime, you can have a formation where you snap it under center. And Heupel says they have one. He just said he liked the matchup. He liked the call. He just didn't like the communication and the execution up front on that play. And you know what? Hey, man, it happens. If you're going to go down, I guess you need to go, to go down doing it your way. I'll just never – ever ever understand uh, i've used that sh- i've used that hashtag for years the short short yardage shotgun sucks but i, I don't want to belabor the point i just don't understand it i asked apple about it after the game i just i never have understood it never will but there's also some I, I, oh, go ahead and i i sat in the back of the press conference room going ah of course Wes would ask this i think i mean it's a valid question <laughs> sir it's a valid question why are you doing you're that? You you are you're you're all for bringing the fullback and the wing tee and the listen and the if, single if wing. Ever there are two kinds of offenses in football. There are offenses with H backs and, and fullbacks, and then there are sissy offenses. That those well, are and, and you can use the H back. Tennessee has some H back formations. I just it's we need to go to break. We're overdue for a break. I just I had to get that off my chest. I had to say it. I like so many things about what they're doing. I don't understand that, and I, I just maybe I'm, I'm not supposed to. It's not a, it's not about any of us individually. It's about the, those those players, those coaches, and that's what they chose to do. So them's the breaks. That's how it goes. We're overdue for a break, guys. We're gonna step away for a second, pay pay some bills, listen to products, services, in house ads, other fun things. We're gonna come back and talk about where the vaults go from here and what 
Tennessee has to do with the quarterback position. That that could be an interesting, interesting quick discussion there. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to the go balls 24 7 podcast brought to you by whatever products services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break west rucker coming to you from fort rucker studio patrick brown coming to you from an undisclosed location here on a beautiful beautiful saturday evening here in god's own knoxville tennessee talking tennessee footballs 41 to 30 was it was it 41 to 34 pat that's what it was right 41-34. 41-34, making sure. 41-34 game. The Pitt, Pitt Panthers defeated the Tennessee Volunteers on Saturday at Neyland Stadium. Plenty to discuss there. Plenty more to discuss in this segment. We're going to get to that. Just a quick reminder, guys, if you could take about 90 seconds out of your day right now, please go in there. Please, please, please take just a second. Go in there, rate, and review this podcast, and mash that subscribe button. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, like Ron Swanson with alcohol, there's no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. But the best way to consume it uh, is through those apps and those widgets, and we appreciate that. Go into Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Please, please go in there and do that. Please rate and review. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. Um, but the only thing that we ask for is that you please, please rate and review and hit that subscribe button. Helps us a lot. Helps us grow this wolf pack. Helps us grow this thing as we've done each of the past several years. So thank you all for listening, and please, please do those things. Pat, what about the way Hendon Hooker played in that game? We talked about this a little bit in the first segment. That interception at the end of the game was unfortunate. Jimmy Callaway had scorched the the corner, just absolutely scorched him. 
And if the safety hadn't been there, that's a that's maybe a touchdown throw. He put it right on him. Uh, but he did not see the safety who was back there sitting in the quarters coverage, his part of the field. He did not look there at all. He did not see him. And that ball was intercepted. That ball was returned near midfield. And Pitt gets a couple first downs, and that's the ball game. Without that, though, just looking purely at the numbers, Hendon Hooker moved the football, especially after that first possession. He gets his feet wet. Things don't go well. They go three and out real quick. After that, though, um, man, they, they they look pretty decent with them running the, running the offense. Yeah, Hooker was – I mean, it was basically like what you saw um, from him last year, right, at Virginia Tech. Now, um, I, I've been thinking about going into this game about Milton, obviously taking a lot of criticism from what he did in, bowling, in the Bowling Green game. And, and I, I was not to the point – where I was ready to say that Milton is what he is. That's what we always said about Jared Garantano last, well, last season, right? Yeah. We said going into the season, he is what he is. You just have to live with it. And that's how it played out the whole season, correct? I mean, yes. that, that's, you know, even after he was kind of okay in that first game against South Carolina, it was like, well, guys, he is what he is. What do you, what do you, all, what do you all expect? I wasn't there with Milton because this was, that was his first game in a new system. And, he had gotten here in May He and he really, you know, yeah, he's a fourth year player, but he hasn't played a whole lot. He hasn't played a lot in this offense. He hasn't played a lot in general. Uh, maybe he is, he's getting closer to that territory though, after today. Now uh, with Milton, some of those touch passes that he didn't have, you saw that a little bit early last season too. He would overthrow guys at Michigan his first couple of games, but then in that third game against Indiana, he really hit on some downfield passes that were um, his accuracy picked up there. So um and we'll see with hooker hooker has started enough and played enough that I think we all know what, what he is. And basically what you saw today is what he is. He's, he's a capable passer. He's not going to really stretch the field for you. Um, and, but he's a really good runner. Um, he's a better runner than Milton. I would probably put him at a level below Josh Dobbs. To me, Agreed. Josh Dobbs is Agreed. an elite running quarterback. Um, and, and even Dobbs, is, you know, he got better as a, as a passer throughout his career, but, um, Hooker, you saw a little bit of that. You know, there were some flashes there in some of those scrambles he made. That one he had on third and fifteen um, to pick the first down up there. He had a couple of spin moves. He, uh, you know, the play that he that that they thought he got the first down on that third down run. And there was a little bit of power there. Dobbs had more power than probably he's given credit for. Um, and you see that he's a good runner, but and. You know, you, you put the game in his hands and say, all right, go win the game throwing the football. He does something you can't do. He, he stares Jimmy Calloway down, doesn't look the safety off, safety's sitting there in the middle of the zone, easy interception. And that that's a play that a guy that started 15 games can't make, right? So, or at least to my point, maybe I'm being too hard on him. But, no, I mean, um, it, it, it's a throw you can't make. I mean, you, you sit there. That you know, ESPN showed the the zoo, the view from the end zone, and Hooker is he's he, he's locked in, and the safety's just sitting there reading him. And if he even looks to the other side of the field for half a second, that's probably a completion because he does enough to hold the safety where he is. So, um, and it kind of reminded me of of Virginia Tech's game against Miami last season. I think Miami Miami won by one point, and, and late in the game. Um, Miami had just taken the lead. Hooker, you know, Virginia Tech got the ball back. Hooker made a throw. It wasn't a great decision because he was throwing for a guy that had two guys around him, and he just airmailed it, and it was a pick. That was pretty much the game. That, that to me, what we, what I, what you would expect to see from Hendon Hooker is what you saw today. 
He's a good runner. He, he's a capable passer. I think Tennessee just switched up its game plan and said, we're going to work tight ends more. We're, we're not going to ask this guy to do what Milton does and throw the ball down the field. Um, and, and we're going to give him maybe a little bit more, you know, a little bit more of a running option. So uh, I think what you saw from Hooker today is uh, what you can expect from him. Now moving forward, I think he showed enough. If you're just comparing those two guys today, I think you pretty much have to start Hooker against Tennessee Tech, don't you? Kind of. I mean, especially if, if Milton's dinged up at all. I mean, the, the counter argument I would make is that you know what Hendon Hooker is, you know who he is, you, you know the the good, the bad, the ugly, and I don't know what a game against Tennessee Tech does for him. If Milton's healthy enough to go, I think he's a guy who absolutely could use the reps, um, and he's someone okay. who if you yeah. ha- if you have the highest upside for him, I could see that. Now, if he's dinged up, you you're, you you it's a totally different argument. Then you're probably playing Hooker and Bailey for the game. But I, I just don't – I don't know the update, the status on a lot of those injuries. That's going to be a big deal. We're certainly going to have to talk about that Monday and going forward. There's going to be a lot to discuss with injuries. And I, I suspect it's Tennessee Tech Week, so Hypel might talk a little bit about it, but, but maybe not much. You never really know with him. I, I just – I think if you could just forget that that interception happened. I mean, before that throw, that was his last throw of the game. He had completed 15 of 20 passes for 188 yards and two touchdowns and no picks, and he'd run nine times for 50 yards, and that's, that's including some sacks. He did just exactly what you want him to do. But then that throw happened, and it's like, how can you forget that? But then how do you weigh that against Milton, who missed a couple of throws that you probably ought to make? And that's where I – this is so Tennessee because right now it's in a tough spot. And we know how this goes when you have uncertainty at quarterback, when you have a, is it this guy, is it that guy? Guys like Jimmy Callaway can go up there all day long and say it doesn't matter. If you watch Joe Milton throw a football and then you watch Hendon Hooker or Harrison Bailey throw a football and you don't think that's different, you're crazy. It's different. Uh, Milton has a lot, lot stronger arm. Those guys can throw it, but, but Milton's a different animal. His arm's freakish. So the, the counterpoint to that is, is your arm strength doesn't matter. You can't. Oh, I agree. No, no. I'm I, my only point was that you can say that it doesn't matter. Receivers always say it doesn't matter. Linemen say it doesn't matter. But every player is different. You get into a rhythm when you play with someone more. I think it does matter. And and now it this it just looks like it's going to be an uncertain situation now, doesn't it, Pat? That just that it just looks like they're it, staring that in the face. It's it's a it's they've got themselves into a conundrum after two games. It's the Tennessee way, right? Yeah, I'm sure the staff they you know Milton learned the job in preseason. They're probably like, all right, we really hope this guy runs with it, and he hasn't. Um, and now he's left it up to chance uh, because I mean it, it's out of his control that he got hurt. But if he gets hurt with two or three touchdown passes, and you're up twenty eight seven. It's different. Now I I will say I will you know, this will be a positive spin on it, but. I, I do think Tennessee has a couple quarterbacks they can go win games with. Now, some will say that Milton can't do that, but um, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not to the point where I'm ready to say, okay, this is what he is. Agreed. I'm not to that point yet. So, you know, if, if you disagree, that's fine. If you were ever, that's fine. I'm not ready to go there yet. And like you kept saying, like you have said in the past, Wes, you got to max this guy out to see, right? You got to keep trying until it clicks because there's just so much upside there. But at some point, Upside's not going to matter. You need to get results. And I think that's where Hooker comes in because he's a good floor, right? Mm-hmm. He's, oh, yeah. he's a good security blanket to have because he's got his plate a lot. 
he can run around, which I think he is going to have to be, it's going to be necessary with the way this offensive line is. T- people will point, point at the quarterbacks and talk about the quarterbacks that are in the face. Tennessee, Tennessee offensive line was bad in this game. Very bad. Um, and Tennessee did not run the ball. Yeah. It didn't matter. I mean, it didn't really matter who was at running back or who was at quarterback. Tennessee lost in the trenches on their offensive line. And I mean, if you want to go look at the numbers, uh, they had 170 yards to take out all the sack yardage, which, oh, by the way, they have five sacks, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they averaged six yards to carry when, when, uh, you know, if you take the sack yards out, but how much of that was done by the quarterbacks? Now, that's part of the game. It's, now, now you know, Pitt, Pitt also leads the country, I think, in sacks the past two years combined. Right. I think. And that's right. when they had five in the first game. Pat Narduzzi is one of the best defensive minds anywhere in the game. His guys are going to get pressure. Right. And so, I mean, Tennessee's offensive line wasn't good enough to win in this game. Um, you know, they, they were without Cooper Mays again. Uh, they kind of rotated. I think Kingston Harris played probably more than Ollie Lane did at left guard. Um, and, and Harris is a guy that was, you know, came here as his defensive lineman. So, um, you know, that, that's, the, you know, Bush filling all the penalties off the line didn't have a great game. So everybody's going to want to talk about the quarterbacks, but uh, at, there were times in, in, in this game on Saturday where it didn't matter who was a quarterback, it didn't matter who was a running back because they were without Dwight Small for the second half, Todd Evans for the whole game because there was no room to run. Um, and, and so, you know, that was, and that's probably why they worked in the, you know, worked in some runs with Hooker there in the second half because, the running backs weren't really getting it done because they didn't have a lot of room. So, um, yeah, I just – and I think the positive of the situation is with the quarterback deal is that you have two guys that you think you should have at least a little bit of faith. Milton, you can go either way. You can make argument either way, to me at least. But that there are two guys that this staff can go and, and win with and scheme up a game plan. And you saw a little bit of that today. The downfield shots were there with Milton. They were taking them. They were looking for them. You know, Pitt's defense, the way they played, presented those. Um, and then with Hooker, they said, we're not going to do that. We're going to work tight ends. We're going to work him in the run game. Um, we're going to, you know, not go as deep as much. So we're going to, you know, Cedric Tillman's going to run a few hooks. They're going to make some of those plays. So uh, I think the staff probably feels the same way, that they've got two guys they can win the game with. Do we need to talk about Harris Bailey at all? I feel like it feels like he just gets so much talk. He's probably the most talked about third-string quarterback in possibly history. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll, I'll, I'll like say guys I'll, like he's he's not going to play unless both Hooker and Milton get hurt. Yeah, I, I'll I'll say that really quickly, Pat, because we we don't need to focus on it because we'll we'll just keep adding logs to the fire here with this thing. But we've said consistently, you haven't even had to read between the lines. We've been saying for weeks he is QB three on this team. Now, whether he should be or not, that's up to Josh Heupel, and that's his decision to make. He and Golish and those guys and. And um, Joey Halsley and all those dudes, that's their call to make. But it's been pretty consistent with the way that they run this offense, what they want to do. They've got him number three. And Josh Heupel, this is more about building something for the future than it is about competing for championships here and now. But they want to win games. And if they thought for one second that, that Harrison Bailey was a silver bullet, was the guy who they could put in there, and fix a lot of these problems and go out there and, and be a better offense and win games, they would play him, and they're not doing that. And, and it's been that way for, for a couple weeks now. It, it's been what we've heard for, for weeks before that. It, it's not even, to my knowledge, been much of a discussion right now. I think he's, he's their third guy, and I, if people may like it or may not like it, but they might have to accept it. Yeah, I mean, I think that has to be accepted because that's the situation. Like, I mean – People were asking the same thing why, you know, Deep Beckwith or Leith Whitehead wasn't X number running back in the games because they're not. They're just not. I mean, as players, you know, coaches aren't 
you know, like you said, they're trying to win games. They're not, they're not here trying to make friends or whatever you, um, you know, so that if you're third string or if you're no string, that's, that's where the coaches have you. I mean, this is a new staff. It's not like they've, you know, you know, they they don't, they're not playing favorites. I don't think they're trying to win games. And and at this point they think that that the two transfers are, are given a better chance to do that. Now, I, I think Bailey, I just think he needs time, right? He's he's yeah. he's, he's basically a freshman. Yeah, he's got he's got four years left if he wants to use them. I mean, there, there's I mean, plenty of time. Actually, he really could have five if he redshirted this year. He could have five more years. I mean, I I I don't know what people saw last year that makes them think that this is like some. I mean, I, I wasn't overall overwhelmed by his play last season, but there were obviously weird circumstances, and those circumstances are. Might have an impact on what his development is now, but yeah, should we talk about defense for a quick hit? Yeah, yeah, we should. We should talk about the defense and then the big picture, and then we'll get out of here. Because I, I mean, the, the Bailey thing—it's just guys. I, I've seen the the number two quarterback being the most popular guy around, but the number three quarterback—that's come on. <laughs> that's I just people are going to talk about what they want to talk about, and they're free to do so. I just you know, if he were if they thought he was the guy, he'd be in there. Thoughts about right. the defense, Pat? Because I actually saw a couple things that I liked a lot more that I didn't like, but. You know, it's some of the problems that we thought they have, they have. This was the, I don't say the worst possible game. They really missed Byron Young today. Yeah. Because they could not get to Kenny Pickett with four guys. And even when they brought five, they couldn't get there. I mean, I remember one play where they brought, I don't know if they brought Jeremy Banks, but uh, I think he had the running back and the running back stayed in. And so he, you know, went in, you know, as you see some teams do. Mm -hmm. And Banks, I don't even think he tried to go for the quarterback. He just tried to KO the running back. It's like trying to get the quarterback. That's not the pick on Jeremy Banks. But point being is that, um, you know, they did get there a couple times. You know, I thought Tyler Barron had a great game. Again, he just he just made some plays. You're like, that's a big-time play. Like he, and he, he, he had two and he, and he had two different injuries too. Right. So he had the play on on, on the draw on one of the, the sudden change stops they got where he got in the backfield before Pickett could even get going anywhere. They had a play uh, late in the fourth quarter after the uh, fourth down play that Tennessee didn't get, and they got the three and out. And, and Byron or Barron has two guys. Uh, he's got his guy engaged with him. He just reaches a big, big hand out there and grabs the guy. Yeah. I mean, that was a big time play. Um, but this is a game you needed young. He's one of your best edge guys. Um, you don't think he would have made a difference chasing Kenny Pickett around there? I mean, there were. Uh, he may have looked a little bit less like Baker Mayfield than he did in the game if they, if they've been uh, able to I do mean, that. Some of the plays he made and, and, were ridiculously good plays. I'm going to give him credit for that, but you're right. Yeah, and, you know, third down defense wasn't great. Um, I think Pitt finished 8 of 19, which if you're close to 50% as a defense, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And then you want to throw in that on two of those, uh, two of the ones they didn't get, they got the fourth down, both on the same drive, which were a killer at, at, at the time. Um, but those are play. Those again. Those gets back to our what we talked about at the top. That there were so many plays. If it goes differently, like if they get stopped on one of those two plays, they probably win the game, right? So um, those two fourth down plays in the middle of the field, I think, was again. I think Pitt. I, I think they got Jordan Addison as their best receiver. They lined him up in the slot all game and, and got him matched up against uh, Tennessee's linebackers in zone coverage, and he made a few plays, and um, that was. That was the two biggest takeaways for me, but 
It's tough to complain about the defense because Tennessee would have gotten blown out of this game if the defense hadn't stepped up yeah. several times. And, and they, they, um, they made some adjustments on playing the, the, the more mobile inside linebacker duo of, of Page and, and Beasley. That helped them out a couple times, I think. Of course, Beasley also blew a couple coverages. But, you know, Mitchell made a couple decent plays in pass coverage. I mean, they, they, there were signs there that they could be better. But, it, again, it's just I, I think Pitt let them off the hook by not pounding the middle of the field more. Well, and – and one of the things that we over Tennessee made Pitt pretty much one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Pitt did run the ball at all. I mean, we were even talking early in the game that Tennessee was, you know, Pitt was doing Tennessee a favor when, when they turned around and handed it off. Um, and now, you know, late in the game, Pitt was able to run the clock out, which is probably disappointing. That's probably one of the biggest things that was disappointing for Tennessee's defense that they couldn't go off the field. Having stopped Pitt all day from running the ball, the five minutes or handful of plays that Pitt, you knew they were running the ball, they were able to get it done. So, that's probably disappointing, but uh, I mean, they just so many plays in the first half after the turnover, a couple of short fields after a turnover again, you know, I mean, they forced two, three and outs in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, the defense did, it feels like, you know, they gave up 41 points and you look at the stats and it's like, they gave up 41 points, you know, four, four point eight yards play is not bad. A lot, a lot of know. great field position for Pitt though. And then Tennessee's defense had nothing to do with that. Right. So, I mean, they just, I mean, it's, it's tough to sort of evaluate defense. Cause, I mean, like you said, you look at the scoreboard and you're like, man, they gave up a lot of points. And it's like, they would have given up a lot more had they not made so many stops. And I mean, they, they gave Tennessee, they kept Tennessee in the game early and in the fourth quarter. They gave Tennessee a chance to win the game. Like, so. I agree. And the last thing before we get out of here, cause we're going to have much more time to discuss this during the week, but the, the reason why this game mattered so much uh, is pretty simple. Uh, I, I think, Getting bowl eligible would is a good benchmark for Tennessee to set for this season. If it can happen, get to six wins, I think that's a pretty decent step in the right direction for where they need to go as a program. It's not where you want to be in the long term at all, but it, it's where for this team, this schedule, this roster, I think that would be a pretty pretty solid thing. Now you're in a position where I think Tennessee probably will be favored to win – four more games for not for sure but probably i mean tennessee tech will be favored to win vandy will be favored to win uab it'll be favored to win and then you know south carolina at home probably favored to win that game but you know it's not 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 going to be like a you know a widespread or anything but basically now tennessee's going to have to go pick off one of those games that that on paper anyways are a little bit tougher to win if they want to get to six wins, uh, if it wants to get to six wins. If, if if you win this game, you just have to win the games you're supposed to win the rest of the way, and you, you've at least got six in the bank. Now it gets a little bit tougher. Yeah, uh, I mean, but that's the point Heibel made after the game is that you got to learn from this because mm-hmm. you had opportunities to win this game and you didn't finish. You didn't finish in the fourth quarter. They emphasize that in practice. They have a fourth quarter period at the end of practice where it's like, you know, to sort of try to simulate that as best you can. And it, it, it it's easy, you know, when, when Tennessee goes back and, look, and looks at this film, it'll be easy for them to go back and say, hey, if we do these three things differently, we probably win. And a lot of that stuff is stuff they can control, which as a coach, as a team, that'll give you a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say a silver lining. I don't want to say moral victory. I don't want to get into that. But no, you're right. um, you can take this, and Tennessee's going to play games like this later in the year. I think we can agree on that. Yes. Uh, there's going to be some games where the talent gap is not as – wide um and it's now can they execute better avoid the big penalties avoid the turnover um 
and play with the same kind of, I don't want to say relentlessness, but there were plenty of times where that team could have felt sorry for itself and slumped the shoulders, dropped the head, and, and gotten beaten by a bigger margin. And they didn't. Uh, and if they can keep that and play through some of the adversity the way they did today, um, then th- then they'll they'll find when they find themselves in one of these toss up games again, they can go and finish the deal. They also need to get some guys healthy, and, and they need to have games like this where those many important guys are going down. I mean, a lot of that's just they, they can't control that. That's just bad breaks. I mean, some guy goes left, the other guy goes right. Things happen, um, but y- you know, sometimes you just take a bad fall in this game. It's a it's a bar- it's a barbaric game. It is what it is, but. Uh, Tennessee's got to get healthy, uh, and it's got to stay relatively healthy because it does have some options. It does have maybe a tiny bit more depth in some areas than I thought it would have, but but it's a drop-off, and, and they need those guys back for sure, or else it's 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 going to be a long slog. They, they, they can't have a lot of games where this many guys go down, and, and they, they need to get all the COVID stuff straightened out uh, for sure. They can't have it. They can't have any more of that. They, they just – they're they're in a tough spot, but uh, you know we we sort of expected this. Pat, you ex- you you predicted a loss in this game, so you know you 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 got this one right. I mean, a lot of people thought they would lose this game, and they did. And now we will see where they go. You got anything else? I'm good. Let's rock and roll out of here. Let's rock and roll out of here, man. Thanks thanks for joining us, Pat. You're welcome, Wes. Have a good night. Pat with one T, not 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 Pat with two T's. That's Pitt. But thank you. Thank you, thank you for listening to this edition, uh, this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Uh, slurred my words there, but I'm leaving it in. Leaving it in. Thank you for joining us. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want Just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 and get lots and lots of Tennessee news there on your feed all throughout the day. But if you want that best most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap. Go directly to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. we got two forums running round the clock all the time, of course. That's what round the clock means. Got the summit and the checkerboard. Go there. Anything that's not political or religious in nature, go there and chat with us. Talk about sports, talk about life, whatever you want to talk about, as long as it's not politics or religion. Anything else is fair game. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a seven-day free trial. And if you pay us that price, which is, again, really, really reasonable, you get in perpetuity access to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access, now it's Paramount Plus. All kinds of streaming stuff on that platform. You get live sports with uh, Tennessee sports, SEC sports, college football, college basketball, March Madness, all that good stuff. Also PGA Tour, NFL, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. You get live World Cup qualifying games, all kinds of stuff live and on demand. And every show CBS has ever made commercial free, every single one. Lots of Paramount Plus exclusive shows like, you know, Picard, Evil, all those shows, all that good stuff. All of that new movies every single month, some classic movies all the time. Also, tons and tons of stuff from the vaults of MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Smithsonian, and Nickelodeon. So you got stuff for the entire family in there. And that's a $100 plus annual value that we will give you for free 
if you just take advantage of what's already a stupid good deal and go to GoVols247.com. So go do that. Uh, if nothing else, guys, uh, you should hear from us again by Monday uh, after we, we hear from Josh Heupel there early in the afternoon around the lunch hour. So look for something drive time Monday unless big breaking news happens before then, in which, of course, we will we will go do something tomorrow or Monday if we need to. But uh, until then, guys, be safe. Uh, be safe out there. Get that vaccine, please. Please wash your hands. Please wash. Please wash your hands. Please wear those face masks. Please, please, please get that shot. Let's just get through this, guys. We're so we're we're, we're, we're we've seen the start of this season. Now let's make sure we see the end of it. So there, there's consequences for this. Please go do this right, guys. Uh, but if nothing else, just be nice to each other, please. There's too much nastiness out there in the world. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.